well this is going to be weird preaching to actual people and not into the lens of a camera people can actually respond rather than just this the deadening silence of an empty building but it's good i'm glad to be back and i'm glad that there are people in the room as well as people online we are super excited that you guys have joined us i don't actually know if there's anyone there that's kind of weird isn't it i am assuming by faith that there are tens if not hundreds of people watching online but even if there's just one you are welcome <laughs> we appreciate you <laughs> today we are going to start a brand new series called the storyteller throughout his ministry jesus jesus loved to tell stories and they were known as parables so we are going to spend some time just looking at some of the parables that jesus told maybe trying to find something new that we've not yet discovered around it or maybe just reminding ourselves of some of the principles that jesus was teaching throughout these stories we have a running joke in our household that if anyone is ever telling a story that doesn't really go anywhere, we call it a tear story. She has this habit of telling these stories uh, about people we don't know, usually about work, that don't really have uh, a beginning, middle, or an end. Nothing exciting really happens, um, but she tells these stories anyway, and so we're like, that is a Taya story um, but we love her and I think life wouldn't be the same um, if she didn't tell a Taya story every now and then but I think you probably needed to be there to get what she's trying to say but have you ever been around a real storyteller someone who loves to tell stories no matter what the circumstance the situation they've got a story that is relevant to what's being discussed and so they begin to share this story and I don't know if you've noticed this but real storytellers are people magnets people just kind of gather around because they want to hear what's being said they know that that as they begin to tell this story and they begin to to, to weave this tale that you'll be drawn in to the scene that they're setting and you will no doubt be find yourself laughing or crying or being in awe of just their experiences and then maybe laughing again I think when you find yourself around a real storyteller that it's just an incredible thing to be around and it can just be so powerful to hear someone's tale even if you can clock the uh, the artistic license and the exaggeration in their story you know that there's some element of truth in there and it can really impact you and so what we're going to do is spend some time looking at the stories that Jesus told, these parables that had uh, meaning, they had purpose. He didn't just tell them because he wanted to gather people around and get a laugh. He, he told these parables to hit a point home, to really give people a message and something that they could grasp hold of. So why don't we just pray before we, uh, we read this passage this morning. Father God, we thank you that you are with us in this place. We thank you that uh, through your word, we can read some of these incredible stories that Jesus told. And we pray that uh, today and over the coming weeks, as we uh, delve into some of these stories, that you will bring some fresh revelation to us, that we will begin to know more and more about who you are. And as we do that, we can understand more of who we are 
in you and that we can leave this place or we can switch off from our online church uh, being more and more like you, that we can be changed more into the likeness of you, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, so this morning I am going to read uh, the parable of the ten miners. It is in, in uh, Luke's gospel. So we're in Luke chapter 9, starting at verse 11. It says this, As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable, because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, Therefore, A nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten miners, and he said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him and said, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. Then another came saying, Lord, here is your mina which I kept laid away in a handkerchief for I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, the master said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has 10 minas. I tell you that to everyone who has more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. There is so much in this story, and uh, you'll recognize it also. Matthew tells a very similar story. In his story, it's the the parable of the talents, and it talks about three uh, servants. But I can only assume that these are tellings of the same story, and the point that is being talked about is the same. But either way, whichever of the two versions of this parable you read, uh, the the point, uh, the what he's referring to is a sum of money. And in this instance, it's uh, the mina, and the mina is worth somewhere in the region of three months' wage. So it's, uh, it's no small amount of money that this master, this king, is giving to his servants to, to look after, to, to put to work. But what we're going to come to see is that the amount doesn't really matter. 
I don't know about you, but I find that when I'm reading the Bible, if it's, if it's a passage where I perhaps know what's coming, it's something that I've read many times or it's something that I've heard spoken about many times, I can just kind of skim over the story because I know what's coming. I, I know what, what like the gist of the story is. I, I know where it ends. And so we just kind of skim read these stories. And I think it's easy to do that with the parables because if you've been in church any number, any number of years, you know, maybe you grew up in Sunday school and you've heard these stories taught or you've, as an adult, you've heard them preached on and we know the parables and so it's easy to kind of gloss over what's going on and particularly the introduction to the parable. It's so easy to, to skim over the first sentence or two to get to the meat, to get to the bit that we know about, the bit that we know really well, but actually that introduction Those beginning few sentences are actually really important because they set the tone of what it is that Jesus is trying to tell us. They kind of set the pace for what it is he's really talking about. So let's just look at the introduction for this parable. In verse 11 it says, As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. It's easy to just assume, isn't it, that this parable is about money. Each servant is given a few thousand pounds to use while this nobleman, this, this master, is away. So, so it is about money, isn't it? Or, or is Jesus using money as, as a kind of a method to drive home another point? Has he got something else to say to us? Now, there are absolutely principles that you can apply to money and to finances. And you no doubt will have heard preachers preaching about the parable of the minas or the talents, teaching us how we should sow our finances correctly. And you can absolutely draw points from that. And they are good and they are relevant to our lives. But I don't believe that's what Jesus is, uh, is talking about in this instance. Because the introduction, those first few sentences let us know that Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. And then just to set the context of this parable a little further, if you read the first five words of the parable, it says, as they heard these things. Now, it's really important when you're reading a portion of scripture or or a parable from the Bible that you look what happened before. And that's what these five words are saying. As they heard these things, because of what just happened, Jesus is now telling a story to kind of drive home what's going on in this situation. And what's just happened, if you flick back to the beginning of the chapter, is the story of Zacchaeus and his incredible transformation. And those that have kind of witnessed what's, what's going on. But we're not going to dig into the story of Zacchaeus today. I've got a message brewing for that in the future. Um, but right now, it's just important to be aware, for those of you who know the story of Zacchaeus and his transformation, who met with Jesus and then turned his life completely around. That is setting the tone for what Jesus is now talking about in this parable. Because he had a love of money. He was a tax collector. What he wasn't is a farmer. 
Jesus often used agricultural uh, metaphors to tell his stories. He would talk about shepherds and he would talk about uh, gardening and he would talk about wheat and seeds and all of that stuff that was agricultural. But in this instance, in the home of a tax collector, someone who is focused on money, he uses money as the vehicle to tell his story. So let's just dig into this text and see what we can unpack from it. So the nobleman has dished out his money, this money to the servants with instructions that they should engage in business. And then he goes off and, and he, uh, he receives his kingship, which uh, you know, perhaps is something for another message. There's definitely, this is Jesus, just about to enter into Jerusalem to become the king of the Jews, but not in a way they expected. And that is throughout this parable, if you want to read it with that lens on as well, but that's not what we're talking about today. So the king goes off, he says, engage in business, invest this money. And then on his return, he gathers these servants round to give him an account of what they've done with the money. So let's just read these few verses from verse 16. The first came before him saying, Lord, your mina has made 10 minas more. And he said to him, well done, good servant. Well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in a very little you shall have authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, Lord, your mina has made five more. And he said to him, you are to be over five cities. So we need to hold on. We need to hold on to this understanding that the parable isn't about investment. It's not about money, which in the commercialized society that we live in can actually be a challenge to kind of shake that mentality off. But look at the language that Jesus uses as he tells this story. The king doesn't commend the servants on their great return from the investment. He doesn't say, wow, look at all this money that you have made for me. We don't know what these guys did, but the first guy turned one mina, three months salary, into uh, 10 months salary or whatever the maths is on that. He, he just kind of grew this, this, this finance that he'd been given exponentially. It was massive, but at no point does the master say, great investment great return. I am so glad I put this money with you because now I am even richer. He doesn't talk about that. What he does say is, you have been faithful. You have been faithful. You have been trustworthy. It's not about the money. That is just a vehicle of the conversation. And actually, in the telling of this story at the beginning, it references 10 servants, doesn't it? But Jesus only uses three of them, I can only assume, because his point, what he's talking about, is covered in the three examples that he gives. But we don't know what happened to the other seven, do we? Did they run off with the money? Did they invest it and grow it well or grow it badly? We don't know. Jesus leaves the story at just the three of them. Because I believe that once he's gone through these three examples, we can get hold of the point. We can grasp hold of what it is that Jesus is saying to us. That it's, it's not about the financial return, but it's about the faithfulness and the trustworthiness in how they handled what had been given to them. So let's just look at the third servant then, starting at verse 20. 
Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina which I kept, laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to them, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. And he said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that everyone who has more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. What a very dark end to this parable. Bring my enemies and slaughter them. Wow. I'm not going to get into that today. (laughs) But as we look at the third servant, look at the language again that is used in verse 21. I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you didn't deposit. You reap what you didn't sow. And I think it's an interesting point that is dropped right here in this third example. And it's a, it's a thought around perception. It's around perception because actually the way in which this third servant acted was due to his perception of the master. And if we're getting critical of this of this third servant. It's actually a really stupid decision that he made because if he genuinely thought that his master was a severe man, then by just hiding this money that he'd been given, surely he knew that he was going to reap the consequences because his master was harsh. His master was severe. And so, like the guy said, he should have invested it in the bank so at least there was something But he didn't. He hid it, even though he knew that his master was severe. His perception of the master was one thing, and so his response was to do nothing. And so we see the response from the master, uh, from the king, the first two who did something, who actually put this money to work. He said, you are a good servant. You are faithful. You are trustworthy. But then to this third one, he calls him a wicked servant. The language used there in the original can be translated as evil. These are really strong words that he's using to describe this third servant. And so for the first two servants, the master appreciated their faithfulness. He appreciated their faithfulness. But for this last one, he was overcome with apathy, almost to... to, uh, to, to kind of lead to uh, this inaction. The others were driven to put their, their money, this, this investment, to work into action. But this guy was led to inaction. And what I want to do is just to drive this point home is that the king isn't bothered by the return. We've looked at the language. He doesn't say, great investment. Look how rich I am. Look how wealthy I am. Instead, it's the display of trust and of faithfulness that he focuses on, that he recognizes. And so why don't we just muse for a moment? He talks about 10 servants. We hear the story of three servants. We don't know what the others did, but let me just read to you a verse that I have written about a fourth servant. 
And it goes like this. And so the fourth servant came and said, Master, I put your mina into business that I really felt would succeed. But unfortunately, it failed. And so instead of giving you one mina plus, I've got nothing. I've lost it all. How do you think the king would respond to that servant? How do you think the king would respond to that scenario? Now, I am absolutely reading between the blank spaces here, and you have to weigh this against the way you read this parable. But I believe from what I'm reading that actually, if the master is concerned about the faithfulness and the trustworthiness of his servants, he'll see that this fourth servant invested where he thought, where he felt there was going to be benefit to his king, to his master, but it didn't work out. I believe the master would still be pleased because at least he had a go. At least he did something. He put this money to work. He wasn't led to inaction or apathy. He was led into action. If your heart is right, if you're approaching something with the attitude of, I think this will bless God, I think this will uh, grow and advance the kingdom of God, then have a go. If you're sitting on something right now and you think, do you know what? I'm waiting for absolute, certain, 100% clarity that this is the right thing, that this is what God wants for me, that until I've got, a, 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 I don't know, a spirit, an angel in front of me saying, you need to go and do this. If you're waiting for that 100% certainty, then you're probably going to be waiting a long time. That does happen, but it doesn't happen often. But if you feel in your heart that God has given you an idea, that God has planted within you a purpose, but you're not sure, if your heart says, I believe this will bless God, I believe this could advance his kingdom, then have a go. Have a go because if it fails, then it fails. And you can either pick yourself up, dust yourself off, make some tweaks and try again, or you can take the loss and say, do you know what? At least I had a go. And then wait on God and see what he gives you next. It's all about the heart, about your attitude, about your faithfulness and trustworthiness with what God is giving you. It's not about the money. It's not about the money. And you know, we can get so hung up on numbers, on stats, on results that actually we, we have this fear of moving forward because we, we don't know what the, the, we have this uncertainty of what the future might look like if we apply, if we use, if we put into action what's been given to us. But remember that God looks at the heart. Do you remember the story about the, about the, the widow who put in two coins into the offering bucket. Her, the value, the financial value was small, but the heart, the attitude with which she gave was huge. And Jesus recognized that. He called it out of her, didn't he? He said, you see what she's doing. He notices the heart. He notices what's going on inside. It's not about the return on the meaner. It's about our response to the king. 
The servant's job, a servant's job. We are servants of the God Most High. Our job is to faithfully and trustworthily serve the King with everything that we have been given. And so let's just bring this whole thing back full circle. Remember that the parable was told with a purpose. If we remember those first uh, few sentences, that the purpose of this was to describe to people what the kingdom of God looked like. Not about how we should invest our money or use our talents, but about what the kingdom of God looks like. And so I think that what we can take away from reading this parable is that God has given us as his servants, as his sons and his daughters. He has given all of us meaners in one sense or another, whether that's our talents or our purpose or our calling or, or any number of things, or even like the good news of God, the grace of God, the love of God. He has given us these meaners as his sons and daughters, as his servants and so what he's looking for right now and what the challenge is that can we trust God can we be faithful with what it is that God has given to us and actually put it into action and so that would be the the nice place to end this message but we've got to just work our way through to the end and actually recognize that there are consequences to our actions and what we learn from reading the end of the parable is that if we are faithful if we are trustworthy if we take what god has given us and we put it into action that actually we will be blessed with more and that should be an encouragement that wherever as i already said you're facing this maybe barrier or blockage that is stopping you from moving forward that is stopping you from stepping into what you believe god is calling you to that actually we can recognize that if we're faithful god will bless us with more that's an encouragement i believe it should be a motivation for us as sons and daughters to serve the king well but there's the other side of this coin there's another side of this coin that actually if we are unfaithful dare i say it if we are wicked or evil in our inaction with what god has given us that then he will take it away that is his right to take it away from us because everything that was given to these servants didn't belong to them it was given to them by the master. It was not theirs. They were just stewards of it for a time. They were given these minas from the master to put to work, not so that they could then keep the return for themselves, but pass it on to the king. So if we are unfaithful, if we are, if we are inactive in what God has given to us, then he will take it away from us and give it to someone else who has proven to be trustworthy. And finally, there is this beautiful invitation to the way of Jesus, to the way of the kingdom of God. For all of us as believers, that when we recognize that everything that we have comes from God, we can then allow those blessings to flow straight through us. And that is what the kingdom of God looks like. That is what the kingdom of God looks like because he pours blessings 
unto us, unto his sons and daughters. He pours out his blessings. He gives us these meanings. And what we could do is we could just accept them. We could put a plug in it and we could keep it all to ourselves. But that is not what we are called to do. That is not what we are called to do. We, what we should be doing is allowing maybe the words of this story to change our hearts, to change our attitudes, and actually to change our perception of God, of the master, of our king, and recognize that we are just a conduit for his blessings to flow. And our role is to pass it on. If the blessings of God are coming through the front door of our lives, then open the back door and let them flow right through and we can enjoy the view because that is what we are called to do. God blesses us. God pours out his love, his grace onto us so that we can then pass it on to others. It's not about the money. It's about our faithfulness and the trustworthiness of how we use what God has given to us. Why don't we pray? So Father God, we thank you that you are a loving God, that you are a loving Father, that you love to bless your children. And we are so grateful that we can call ourselves as believers, sons and daughters of the God Most High. And so we just want to thank you for all the blessings that are on our lives. May we never take even the smallest of those for granted. May we recognize each and every blessing in our lives. And I pray that having worked through this parable, this story from the greatest storyteller that ever lived, that we will allow these words to transform and to change our perception of you to change the way in which we respond to our King. When you have blessed us with so much, may we be trustworthy and faithful with what you have given us and pass it on to those around us. May we be conduits of your love, of your grace, of your salvation, of the good news of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.